Easy. Ja, ja. Daar is Klaassen. Goal. Hello to all the Dutch football fans across the world. It's Football Around Your Podcast 69. I'm Michael Statham with commentator Jonathan Beck today to discuss lots with the Eredivisie, answer your Twitter questions, a little bit on the Netherlands national team in terms of options for the March international games coming up. Storm Kira's ruined some of the fixtures this weekend, but we've still got lots to discuss. We're also going to be talking about our favourite Eredivisie talents this season. Plenty to enjoy. You're listening to us via SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube or Football Nation Radio. Make sure to give us a like wherever you are and subscribe too. Enjoy. Jonathan, thank you very much for coming back to Football Down yet again um, and offering your views on Dutch football. Always great to have you on. Um, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have you on again because you're such an expert um, on Dutch football um, and especially having an English voice as well. There aren't many out there that, that know their, their Dutch football. So um, a lot of games were postponed this weekend uh, due to the storm that hit the Netherlands. But one of the games that uh, still went ahead and was quite a big one in the fixture list was PSV 3, Fulham to 8 nil. Um, significant for many reasons. For PSV, of course, who are going through all these struggles, um, winning perhaps one in four games, uh, an awful run. Um, Ernest Farber struggling a lot to, uh, for me at least, tactically get this PSV team right. Um, but they, they came out on top against a very young, um, pacey Villantoy side. And for me, Jonathan, I thought that PSV were, were tactically well set up. I thought that they were playing very deep. Villantoy couldn't get their pacey men in behind the PSV defence, which is normally quite slow. Um, but I thought that the back line had a great game for PSV and I think Faber got his tactics right. Um, first time I think I can say that since he took over as manager from Mark van Bommel. Um, but do you think it was a particularly good day for PSV or a particularly weak one for Villantoy? I think it was a surprise that the likes of Nunley and Kohler, the two wingers for Villantoy, didn't get the the upper hand as, as much as they might have expected to against Dumfries and Rodriguez. You know, first start for him, the new left back. They tried very hard to get Patrick van Aanholt back to the Netherlands from Crystal Palace and, and weren't able to. So they brought Rodriguez and who's really experienced but hasn't played so much at AC Milan. Um, and I was surprised, really, that um, they weren't able to score at all. Uh, and only an own goal, really, right in the stoppage time to, to round things off, really. But they've been so strong, Willem Tvay. They've been, everyone's reported, one of the surprises of the season. Um, really, you know, in that mix for an automatic Europa League slot. Uh, and when you look at the, the team, it's very settled. It's been the same few players. And... For once, maybe PSV did get things right. You know, they had Hendricks and Rosario together as a decent two in midfield. Ryan Thomas playing in a more advanced role. That's where they seem to see him there at PSV rather than a winger, which he was more uh, a peck swallow. So, yeah, it's nice to see him getting a goal after such a long time out and then coming back and being sent off and really not being such a key part of that PSV midfield. Um, Sam Lammers really is the one that I think he could do with a goal or two really to get going. He's, you know, come back after another long injury layoff and he just hasn't been able to, to get that goal. Uh, starting again and playing 90 minutes, I think once he gets up and running, you know, he has to be really could do with him scoring with Donia Marlon out for so long. Then they've lost Stephen Bergwijn, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later as well. So they're, they're not, they're not really full of goals. So they get three goals. 
Uh, one from a fullback and one from Thomas, and then an own goal was uh, was pretty good, really. And Ernest Faber can can hopefully feel a little bit better about himself, and they've closed the gap to Willem Tvey now to just a point. Yep, yeah, uh, Denzel Dumfries, you mentioned there, uh, is ne- new captain of PSV. For me to start with, uh, didn't stand out for his leadership skills, but I think he's certainly been leading by example by his recent performances. Um, he's come up with some important goals as well, which has been helpful for them. Uh, you mentioned Stephen Berkvine there. I think it's a good time to talk about him now. He, we're going to talk about the Netherlands a little bit later, um, Dutch national team, and where Berkvine can fit in there. But has he been missing for PSV? Ha- has that been um, an obvious miss already since he left for Tottenham Hotspur? Well, he's certainly been a, a boost for Tottenham Hotspur, no, no doubt about that, scoring on his debut. Um, it's very difficult to replace him. They've got uh, Gakpo, who's uh, playing on one side, but you know, Hatteran isn't really a wide player, you know, not in the same vein as Bergwijn. And you look at the, the potential options they've got as a wide man. Doan was, was, you know, possibly one of the more obvious. And Bruma didn't even get off the bench. He would be the the most obvious, really, to, to start. Um, it's it's surprising, really, that uh, maybe it was more of a a defensive move for, for Faber to, to play that that kind of role for Hatteran rather than the, the, the number 10 role in Thomas. I think, yeah, Bergwijn, his goals and his influence on the team, even though he's only you know, very, very young still, it's, diffi- it's going to be difficult to replace him over the course of the second half of the season. And he was so key when they were tracing down Ajax last season. Uh, and they really missed him. You know, the, the, the real dip for PSV began when him and Marlon were injured, didn't it? So it just showed that that was the first real wobble after a start of the season where both Ajax and PSV had looked like making it another really good battle for the title. So yes, I think Spurs are going to see the best of him uh, and I think he will be a huge part of the Netherlands squad going forward. But I think PSV are going to miss him. It's inevitable. Do you think he's going to do well with Spurs? I mean, um, a goal he debut is always great and many people can suddenly think, wow, he's going to be amazing. But do you see him fitting into English football? I think so. He's he's really strong. If he can keep fit, that's the that's the key thing. He's had a couple of, of things this season which have knocked him back, and he hasn't played as many games as as maybe you would have expected to in the first half of the campaign. But yeah, I think he's fast. He's strong. Uh, we saw Memphis Depay move to England very very quickly. Louis van Gaal, you know, paid to get him ahead of Paris Saint Germain when he was at Manchester United, and it really surprised me that he didn't fit in. Uh, as well as many people expected him to with the money that they paid for him. Bergwijn, similar kind of player. I think he's maybe, if anything, got a little bit better chance. He hasn't gone straight to uh, you know, one of the biggest clubs in England. He's gone to, to Spurs, who are, who are rebuilding, really, after overachieving, maybe many would say, last season, reaching the Champions League final. So, I think, yeah, I think the expectations are not quite as high as they were for Memphis when he came to England, I think he's got a, a good chance of doing really well. Speaking of Memphis Depay, he's out injured at the moment. And with the injury that he sustained, you'd think that he'd be out for the rest of the season, out for the Euros. And on the Football Down Your podcast, just to catch you up a bit, little bit, Jonathan, we've been speaking a little bit about how um, he has been posting videos on social media um, as he attempts to make some sort of miraculous comeback. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to make it. And no word has been said yet by the player, an agent or whatever, or a Lyon manager that he, he's going to make it by a certain date. But I think the way that Depay is, is posting all, all these videos, it's 
there to suggest that he's trying really hard to make it back as soon as possible. Um, this this guy shouldn't be uh, sprinting, you know, seven weeks after. I do believe it was his cruciate ligaments that that were that were harmed. And yeah, he's making a comeback. And for me, at least, I'm I'm hoping that he can make it back in time for the Netherlands' Euro 2020 matches because he's played such a crucial role in um, in how in how the Netherlands play. It would be amazing, really. It really would be amazing if he makes it. Um, it's it's it, for, all, for all intents and purposes, it, it sounded like he was you know he, there was no chance at all. But um, he seems very very optimistic. So I'll have to. I guess we'll have. I really. I'm really not hundred percent sure. I have to say, I'm really not hundred percent sure whether it's wise or whether it's um, whether he's on track. But he remember he's got the best care. He's got the best medical attention. So. Whatever, whatever happens, then he'll be monitored every step of the way. Uh, I, um, I was one of the few Netherlands questions that were sent in to us uh, this week via Twitter. As usual, thank you for sending in your questions to us, um, listeners. And if you have any in future, send them through to on a mixture of platforms. Usually we post them on Twitter, though, so you can send us your questions. One of them was from Abdul, um, and he was asking who should the forward line be for the Netherlands against USA with Promes, Depay and Marlon out injured. Now, I, I don't know about um, don't know about you, Jonathan, but I haven't heard yet how long Premise is out for. Uh, no, not a hundred percent. They're hoping it isn't too long. He pulled up, didn't he, with that back heel trying to set up Barbel in the last game. Uh, initially, they were hopeful that he'd be back for the Europa League games against Catafe, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see because if it's a hamstring, even a even a, a mild grade of a, a hamstring tear, then uh, it's usually. A lot longer than that and they're in action on the 20th in the first leg so it'll be touch and go I think whether he's back for that one and they used to say for the matches in March um when the when the Dutch play play the play USA and I, I don't yeah well the Depay and Marlon are definitely out um and again just a bit of history for this we've been talking a little bit on the podcast about who should be taken over as the striker um in the absence of Marlon and Depay and Luke de Jong has been someone who Koeman likes to play off the bench usually as a pinch hitter. But could he be starting matches is another question. And I think in March, koeman has got a bit of a, a choice between someone who he, he knows and trusts like Luke de Jong. He could even bring Wout Weghorst in from the Bundesliga. Or to try and keep the same stuff that he's, he's been using before with uh, Depay through the middle or Marlon. Um, he might choose to do someone like um, Myron Boadu, for example, um, the RZ striker, 13 Eredivisie goals so far this season. Um, and we've been really talking him up because we think that he's the answer long term for the Netherlands. And in terms of a front three against the USA, for, for me, I think that Kuman should be playing um, Boadu. As for what I think Kuman will pick, though, it's very different. I think Kuman's going to go with uh, Luke de Jong for the middle, with uh, Barbel and Berkvine flanking either side. But as I'd like to see something more like Boadu playing for the middle and Calvin Stengs playing out wide and Stephen Berkvine, um, who has experience of Spurs into his belt by then. I just, yeah, I, I don't think Koeman's going to go with a young and vibrant um, line though because I think he just wants to get a lineup out that he knows will play um, in June. Yeah, he does like Ryan Barbel as well. You know, there was a bit of a surprise when he came back to Ajax again as, as cover with Nerdis. You know, still struggling with injury and uh, an option, a decent option, an experienced option, wide on that left hand side. Didn't really fit with um, 
with Ajax's usual transfers, but they know what they're getting. A player who's been there twice before, and he's there till the the summer. I I would go with Bodu myself, to be honest. He's proven at uh, Eredivisie level he can do it, and in Europe as well. He scored on his under twenty one debut, and it didn't take him long to make a full national debut and score at debut and score on that as well. So, I don't think he can lose anything really by trying him out. He needs to to see him a little bit more if he is going to be part of the squad and and anything more than just a late impact substitute. So. My my choice, really, would be to go with Bodu down the middle. He knows what De Jong can provide. He doesn't need to to see him too much. Uh, it's a free hit in terms of selection. I think we might see a few interesting players coming in and, and maybe staking a late claim. Yeah, things could change yet again. Um, one only has to look at what Matos de Ligt did and became a regular overnight for Ajax and the Netherlands. Um, so, just, you know, anything could happen still. So long to go before the tournament. Now, we were talking about PSV and their match against Villantoy, and then we kind of went a little bit of a tangent towards the Netherlands national team. So let's go full circle and back to PSV. Uh, one of the questions we had was from Vlad. Is there any news on the new PSV manager for next season? He's, I've only seen rumours for Roger Smith so far, who I think would be ideal. I have to say, Vlad, I haven't seen um, rumours towards Roger Smith. I know that he was linked with Ajax at one point. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that the rumours are true. Perhaps he could be in the frame. But the latest I heard was that Ernest Faber could be given um, a contract for next season if he can sustain results for um, another month or so. And we could be seeing Ernest Faber continuing as PSV manager, which I don't think many PSV fans will be that excited with. No, I mean, they know him as an assistant to Koku, don't they? And then he went and tried his own hand at, at Garnigan and it didn't really work out for him. Uh, and then he's come back to be behind the scenes in the academy. So he's a safe pair of hands, I think, as far as they're concerned. But there's been no real noise coming out of the club on that score. And I don't know, had Marcel Brand still been there, then maybe we might have we might have had a few names uh, sort of drip fed in. Um, it's, it's interesting because we just don't know. They're happy for him to steady the ship and keep it going uh, until the end of the season. And it I don't know what the expectations are, really. The, you know, the, the PSV expectations seem to be top two, top two season after season. But the way things are for them at the moment, you know, it's going to be difficult to close that seven-point gap on, on our eight-point gap on RZ, really, the way things are going. So uh, I think an automatic Europa League slot is, uh, is possibly the best they can hope for unless things really do go to pot with RZ in the last uh, few games of the season. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm as intrigued as anybody, really. Because uh, there just haven't been, surprisingly, when we're in February, that many names in the frame. I can only imagine that the club are just waiting to see whether Faber can be a success or not. Um, and then they'll just play that little waiting game. I, t I don't know. It's good to see that they've got a resort against them today. And maybe they'll start to think more positively towards Faber um, in the future. And that's maybe why we've been hearing links that he'll get an extended contract. But yeah, I think we'll just keep our ears to the ground and, and see what else we hear. So yeah, Vlad, I'm not really sure at the minute who, who else it'll be. Um, Jonathan, I'd like to ask you, um, what considering we've got you on the podcast, what do you think the top four is going to be this season? Do you think Arsenal are going to sustain how well they've been doing? Do you think Ajax are going to come back strong and, and, and clinch a title? Or do you think it's going to be a fantastic season for Feyenoord or Valente? Who do you think that's going to be the top four? Well, if you'd asked me... Uh... While Leonid Slutsky was still in charge at Vitesse, I would have probably put them in. The way they started the season, they were unbelievably good. Um, big things expected of John van den Brom when he came to Utrecht, but they have blown hot and cold, and at the moment they're in the middle of a cold spell, really. 
Um, and they've got Ajax to contend with when that game's rescheduled. I think it won't be too far off what we see at the moment. Um, Ajax and RZ, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting to see when, when they play. I'm doing the game on the 1st of March when they play each other, which should be a fantastic game after RZ won the first one. Final under the Cabocard have been fantastic, and I'd expect them to sustain that. And then it really comes down to whether PSV can get their act together or whether Willem Tvey can sustain what's been uh, an incredible season already, a record-breaking one, and maybe sneak into Europe on that. I would, I would probably be tempted to go with the big three plus RZ. So Ajax as title winners, RZ to hold on for second, final third, and then PSV to take fourth. I don't know how you see it. Well... I think Ajax are going to be winning the title. I don't think Ajax can sustain win after win. And Ajax will eventually get some players back. They've got some really tricky fixtures for the next month or so. Ajax. And then um, pretty much after the RZ match, um, so long as they've played Utrecht, by the time that's happened, then I think it's a fairly uh, straightforward run. So if we're thinking about Ajax being top of the table by then, I think Ajax will take, take back over. Um, so we could see a little twist in the tail, but it should be Ajax for first. And then I think it's between RZ and Final for second, because Dick Avocart, um spoke about him on the last podcast, that he has just got Final turning into this winning machine. But whether or not they have the quality to go away from home and win lots of matches is another question. I think RZ have got the form to win a lot, a lot of games still in the league. I think they're quickly going to be knocked out of Europe. They might get past um, Lask in the last 32 but I think they'll meet someone a lot more tricky in the last 16 um, but yeah I, I think I think that Feyenoord will, will run Arze close and they'll finish third themselves so it, it ends up being the same prediction that you just made there Jonathan <laughs> but uh, yeah with, with PSV winning against Ventura I think that I can now safely say that they'll be at least fourth place or higher because for a long time it's looking like they're going to fall down down further down the table I know it's remarkable that to, 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 to see them, you know, clinging on to fourth place when really they've been uh, either title winners or, or second in the, so many of the last few seasons. It's, it's, it's funny. It's not quite a changing of the guard. I would say it's just a blip, particularly as they did so well under Mark from Bommel last season. But, well, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really incredible. It's nice to see the things opening up and RZ, particularly under Arna Slot, his first managerial role, doing so well. But it's, uh, it is a surprise to see PSV where they are and to see them you know, only just nipping at the heels of Willem Tvey for fourth place. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I just I just think that this summer, if PSV want to make a comeback, they've probably only got one more summer where they can spend good money um, until the Champions League money that they've accrued over the last few years will run out. Um, and then you're looking at... A, then you are actually looking at a potential changing of the guard. Um, I also think their top performers haven't been doing so well. Um, for example, Jelun Zutz, who's been the goalkeeper for so long and was always going to be someone they'd sell for a lot of money, um, decided to stay at the club. And now he's perhaps going a little bit stale. Um, and, yeah, of course, he's on loan at Utrecht now for the rest of the season. Um, Dumfries, he's, he's, he's done well and is a very good player, but isn't becoming a great player. So you're seeing a lot of players now either reaching their peak at PSV, um, and it looks like that might be their level, or players going over their peak and going a little bit stale, which is a shame because then you are seeing Ajax run away with the title quite easily. It would be nice to see RZ finish second, Champions League, get some Champions League money into their club and then all of a sudden the top four, well the top three, 
um, become the top four, and then it will be a uh, very interesting season upon season with all the money that's injected into that club. So yeah, we've we've talked plenty about the top of the table, uh, Jonathan, and one of the things that's intriguing a lot of um, international Dutch fa Dutch football fans across the world is Alan Pardew at Arden Haag, and we haven't spoken much about him on the Football Night podcast. We mentioned him briefly when he first joined. We haven't really analysed yet how he's actually been achieving with the club so far. So, you know, it all started a good, with a good win over RKC Valvijk, uh, which is followed up by an absolute drubbing at Utrecht. Then a draw with Vitesse. Um, and the match of Sparta's coming up. If you listen to this podcast after the match, um, I wonder how they got on. But Pardew's done OK, hasn't he? He's brought in a lot of players. But I'm not sure if it's going to be enough because, of course, the bottom two in the Eredivisie now get directly relegated. Um... Are Pardew's Den Haag in big trouble still? I think so. It's it's taking him a while to 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 find out about his squad, and of course now he's got to find out about eight new, nine new players because he's brought in players who he feels are more suited to saving him from the drop, who are a little bit more experienced. He's you know let Milan van Avijk go out on loan, who was one of their more impressive youngsters, and he's trying to put his faith in in players who won't maybe. Or will be more durable perhaps than he feels the the youngsters and maybe they, he doesn't want them to have a relegation on their cv or a relegation battle or or whatever the reason he's certainly put his faith in an awful lot of lone players who have come in and they're gonna have to get up to speed very very quickly they're four points behind ve 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 five from safety uh altogether I and mean, he's a good point in the last game at home to Vitesse, he felt they looked more like a team who knew what they were doing knew the game plan they had to win that game against ak say but Really, away at Utrecht, they um they really didn't look the part at all, and and he was he called them naive. He he felt they made mistakes and gave the ball away in in very dangerous areas. It was it was not a performance that he was particularly happy with, and that left him with a week really to work in the market and and try and bring new players in. So you know the likes of Duffy and Omar Bogle have come in late on deadline day, and he's got to mould them into a team pretty quickly because PSV are coming up and Herden Vane who've got their own European ambitions and Herak Klesu on their date have proven they can beat most sides this this division and then we start to get into March and they've got to go to RZ so um, it's certainly not easy at all Sparta is a game they definitely need to win that's a big statement um, it's for me that game against Utrecht kind of said how poor how poor in quality this Ardo team is. He's added a lot of players to it, but I still don't know if the level's actually got any better. Are they actually better than Veve Ve Venlo? Are they actually better than, say, an Emmen or a Sparta? I don't think so. Um, and that's why I think that they're going to be in huge, huge trouble. I actually predicted them to finish 16th uh, very well. Not the start of the season, I have to say. Um, no, I actually can't remember why I put them at the start of the season, but I never had great faith in them because I knew that they hadn't been spending a lot of money. They've been missing El Kayati since he left in the summer. Uh, he was doing a lot of the goal scoring for them and getting out of tricky situations. They don't have that anymore. It's just a really poor watch whenever you decide to watch Arden Haag. And now Pardew's in charge. He's trying to make him more robust and it's making him even more painful to watch. <laughs> yeah, they're a, they're a side that you know, need to be stronger at the back. And they showed against Vitesse they could be, but they're not. You look at the, the regular back four, you know, Burgelsteig has, has been around a long time and he's he's not that reliable. He picks up a lot of cautions. He's suspect when it comes to pace. You know, Myers is useful on the flanks, particularly going forward. 
Um, and Pines as a, as a centre-half partner, it's very difficult. And Stubbs has come in now and, and looked a little bit more secure, uh, the youngster. But it's very, very difficult. You know, they leak goals. They, they struggle to score goals. They've still got uh, the likes of Eric Falkenberg, who is just about the most much-travelled player in the entire Eredivisie, who seems to have played for everybody, uh, and yet never really scores too many goals wherever he goes. So it's the the Netsid has done well to get six in a, in a team that doesn't score very many. But if you take his six goals out of it, you know there really aren't too many other players scoring goals. Kramer's got a couple mostly off the bench, uh, and Holsens has has got you know one of the goals of the season so far. But apart from that, he's not been able to inspire them and isn't really in the kind of form that that he was when he was playing for Feyenoord. So it's it's a strange mix of of young players. Uh, inexperienced players and players who've now come in on loan who aren't really familiar with the Eredivisie but are being asked to get up to speed really, really quickly. It's uh, it's an interesting decision for Alan Pardew, who I'm sure did his due diligence and his homework before he came over. He's got Chris Powell along with him, who's another experienced coach. So, so if they can turn it around, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he sticks around. You know, maybe he'll want to try and and, and take two or three years to to build them up into something. They overachieved under Fons Granendijk last season. It just shows what a great job he did. And what a great job El Coyote did in midfield as well. Yeah, uh, I spoke recently on um, Love Sport Radio and I said that I think Pardew will leave at the end of the season. No matter what happens, if he succeeds, I think Chris Powell will be the successor and he'll take over the reins. But I think if he fails and they get relegated, Bernardo won't be, are not going to be able to afford Pardew nor uh, Powell. So I think that the English interest will be there if they do stay up. Um, and I hope they do because either... Uh, are a, are a bigger club in, in the country. Um, and it's never fair to say that because no one deserves to stay up just because of how big they are. But it is nice when the Eredivisie has the biggest clubs in it. It was nice to see FC Twente back. I know that some uh, Netherlands uh, Eredivisie fans would have actually said, actually, no, it's not It's not because Twente deserved it or the money they spent they should have do- shouldn't have done. Um, and Twente are actually one of the most hated clubs in, in the Netherlands alongside Ajax. Um, so I, I don't know. But from many international supporters point of view from a neutral point of view it is nice to have big clubs in in the in the top division at least that's that's what it's like for me yeah there are i mean they're a they're a popular side over there they bring fans supporters it's always passionate particularly when the the bigger clubs go there and, and try and and try and play um i mean it's a what it's a funny club behind the scenes you know there's never they're never short of a, a drama you know, with the owners or with the supervisory board, there is always something going on. They always provide good stories and good talking points. And, and I'm sure Alan Pardew is, is finding out a little bit more about how the club is run and, and things going on behind the scenes. But um, it was it was a very big surprise when he when he went over there, you know, a club who do have the Chinese backers, but never have really seemed to have had the, the money that that was promised and the the investment that was uh, was hoped for by the fans to 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 make them a regular mid-table side, uh, they are not replacing El Coyote and looks to be uh, the the biggest problem really. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, now we're running out of time, Jonathan. We've got a few things still left to cover, so I'm going to give you a couple of Twitter questions. I don't think we'll have time for them all, considering a couple of them appear to be final related, and we've kind of already covered those. Um, one is about Mas Van Marin. It's a question from Elder Pigeon. He said, what's going on with Vazvan Marin? Good player and solid experience in Belgium. 23 years old. Complete midfielder. The fit looked good with Ajax. How do you explain that bust? Thanks, guys. Podcasts are always interesting. Well, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, Marin has not really 
fit into Ajax. And at first, when he first got came to the club from um, Belgium, he said that he felt like um, he was getting a bit overawed by the whole club and the atmosphere of it, um, the sheer size of it. Uh, he still hasn't settled, has he? No, I mean, the first... He started the first three games and then he, he was out for a bit and he's had one real start really since the end of September and that was in the defeat at, at RZ. Um, I think off the ball, positionally, he just had a lot more to learn than I think people expected, first of all, to fit into that Ajax midfield and the way they play, not just with the ball, but without the ball. It's very prescriptive, you know, the positions that players need to take up. Um, and I think it took him a little while longer than people expected to, to slot into that. You know, the likes of Van der Beek, who've come through the academy and played that way for so, so long, instinctively seem to know where to be. Frankie was exactly the same when he was at the club. So many people thought he was, you know, the ready-made replacement for, for Frankie de Jong. And then we saw Daley Blint start the season in midfield and Marine a little bit further ahead. You know, he's done OK. He's got a he's got a good eye for goal. You know, he's come close on a few times, not yet found the net in the area of Vizzi. I just think discipline-wise... You know, when he loses the ball uh, and he lost it a little too often for Eric Ten Hag's liking, he didn't have the, the discipline to get back and, and play that midfield row that they were hoping that he would play. So, yeah, I mean, he's found himself behind Sim de Jong in the, in the last couple of games, which uh, has been a bit of a surprise to him, I'm sure, as, as it was to everybody else. It will just take him a little bit of time, if they're prepared to put that time in, for, for him to, um, to properly learn that role. You know, we saw Edson Alvarez come in uh, and he looked like he would maybe be that uh, successful central midfielder, particularly in Europe, when they put him in there alongside Lissandro Martinez. But again, he's fallen out in the last few games. And Ryan Gravenberg has, has been the one to, the more attacking player, to, to play that role with Van der Beek, uh, you know, a little bit deeper. So with with Marine, I think we'll, it'll be a reassessment at the end of the season. You know, it might be, uh, it might be that they decide to to persevere. And if they see the good signs that he's learning and he's he's can play the role they hope he can play, then he'll stick around. If not, then uh, they're not short of midfielders in that area now, you know, players coming through. So it might not be that much of a surprise if he doesn't get much action between now and the end of the season if they um if they move him on potentially on loan. Yeah, it'd be a shame to see him leave, but I think he's gonna maybe leave at the end of the season just because there's lack of opportunities for him, and I don't think it's gonna change around anytime soon. Um, I don't think he's gonna be Ajax level. Uh, another question from S underscore Van Den, or S underscore VDH, as he's now called. Um, something about Robin Hosens, and he said uh, he, 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 he doesn't know where he'd fit into the Netherlands squad or who he'd take minutes from. Um, and he also doesn't know much about him. Do we know much about him? Well, um, Jonathan, we watched him for a long time, didn't we, play in the Eredivisie for Heracles? Yeah, and he always looked useful. He, he, I don't think he was um, one of those players that you'd look at and think he would make the impact he has done in Serie A. Uh, but then I suppose you would say Atalanta were aside in, in the same vein. You know, you wouldn't think that they would potentially make the same impact as, as they actually made and qualify, you know, for the Champions League. So he probably fits their, their style and their, um, and their outlook, really. And he's been a, a useful player. I've only seen him once or twice in the Champions League, I have to say. I'm no expert on how he's played in Italy. But uh, I am surprised that he has uh, played quite as regularly as he has done. 19 starts for him and 20 Serie A appearances. Seven goals too. 
So he is uh, he's a player who has, has blossomed since since leaving Heracles, and he's a good example, really, of, of the way Heracles picked players up. He had, uh, you know, time at Dordrecht when he was at Vitesse, and never really made the breakthrough there. Uh, and uh, Heracles picked him up from Vitesse, and uh, they're scouting, particularly of German players, been really, really good with Frank Vormuth in charge, Heracles, and he's one of those that's gone on to, to do really, really good things. Well, for me, I think Hosens is someone who fits into a back five. I think at Atalanta, he... He plays left wing back and with the Netherlands, yeah. they're looking for someone who's maybe a bit more solid. Uh, and Davy Blint's that kind of person at the minute. And if Blint is fit and fingers crossed he has no more problems with his heart, um, he plays well for Ajax this season and he gets selected for the Euro squad. Um, he had a lot of negative attention, Blint, when he played with the Netherlands, especially playing the left back role, which isn't his favourite position. Uh, but he does well again now. Koeman's found a way of getting the best out of him playing left-back position, and for a long time, Patrick van Aanholt has been the backup. So I don't know where Hosens would fit in. He'd have to be third choice, and if one of them is injured, you never know he might be selected. Um, the likes of uh, Kongholo, for example, he will not be in the Euro squad, that's for sure, um, on loan at Fulham at the minute. So yeah, he could be an option if, if there are injuries. Uh, or unless he keeps up his fine form, and then you never know, he might be selected over van Aanholt, for example. But I'm getting the impression already that Koeman isn't someone who's going to be taking risks for his uh, Euro 2020 squad. No, and I would say I'd, I'd say that the first point you made is, is probably the more telling. You know, there are an awful lot of players uh, in, in different leagues who play in a, a three at the back and have done for a long, long time. And that role as a wing-back, it differs. You know, the role as a, as a even as a left or right-sided centre-half differs from the, the centre-half role that you'll need in a back four. So that might just be him missing out. As uh, as a wing back, really, because he's not uh, a traditional left back. Sure. So yeah, he may all be missing out, but a good player to raise nonetheless. Um, another question. Um, oh no, I think we're going to run out of time. But there, are, there is something that I would like to ask you, uh, Jonathan, and that is about who you think have been your three standout players this season in the Eredivisie. Because there's so many players we can choose from. We could choose the Hakim Ziyech of the division. But I think it's... Let's go some curveballs. Um, so there's some younger players in our lists. Oh, Jonathan, we, we, we selected three each. And as it happened, we didn't choose the same players. So plenty to talk no. about. Um, let's have your three first. Well, I've got the... The first one is, is, I suppose, is obvious in a way because he's the league's leading scorer at the moment. But the fact that he is, is, is far from obvious. Cyril Dessers, he's had a standout season in a... Heracles side who began pretty well but have, have dropped off a little bit but to score 14 goals so far after how many games have Heracles played 22 uh, a side that sit exactly mid-table is uh, a fantastic achievement from a player who did it in the second division with uh, Nat Breda and never really was able to make that step up when he went to Utrecht and hasn't found the number of goals so far up to this season but has really gone to town you know and Heracles let's not forget lost their front three Last season, a really productive front three, Peterson and Dalmau and Kuvas. So to step in and, and score that same number of goals and put himself ahead of everyone from Ajax and PSV and RZ has been a brilliant achievement from Cyril Dessers. Uh, I could have picked any of the front three from RZ really as another one. I'm going to go with Calvin Stengs just because he's looked fantastic, whether he's played wide right or he's played in the number 10 role. And he's run games when he's played as a 10, particularly in the Europa League. He's looked fantastic, and he may not have got as many goals as Idrissi or Bordeaux, 
but he's provided an awful lot of them. And if he hasn't provided the actual assist, then he's been the one that's made the break or the telling pass in the move to create it. So I'm going to go with Calvin Stengs. Uh, and my third is a player from another surprise team, Willem Tvey, and it would be difficult of me really not to pick a Willem Tvey player, given how surprising and impressive they've been. And I'm going to go with their young Belgian. Uh, some people call him Mike Tresor, some people Daishimir, if they can pronounce it. Um, but he's been fantastic on loan from NEC, and they've made that permanent in the second half of the season for only half a million euros, which is brilliant. He's only scored four goals, but he's been such a key player, again, with assists in midfield, and really a real find. You know, plenty of clubs were interested in him in January. Plenty, I'm sure, if he keeps it up, will be interested in him in the summer. So he's my third pick, a player who has been at the heart of uh, Willem Tve's fantastic first half of the season. I'm very envious of your pronunciation of Mike Trezor and Yashimiye. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to say it. I've ever said it before, but you've got it far better than I have. <laughs> um, yeah, Villantoy got some great players this season. Uh, and I think you could look at their centre-back partnership, Holman and Peters. You could look at their um, their foot-forward players. Pavlidis has been great as a striker. He's 10 area of his goals, I believe. Um, flanked by Nunnally and, and Colert. But it's hard to pick out standout players in that team, isn't it? And I think Mike Trezor is probably the one that you could say or him or Pavlidis, the one you could say yeah, that is a standout player in that team. Yeah. I think it's also easy to pick RZ players, though. I think you can pick the individual qualities of those RZ players and say they make a difference to that team, and without them, they'd find it hard to play. And for me, uh, Myron Boadu, um, he has to be my, my, in my top three, mainly because I feel like I've got to celebrate how well he can play. When he broke through... Um, I even watched him live in the stadium and tried to get more of his game. And I just felt that he wasn't doing enough off the ball when he was only uh, 17 years of age. And I also thought that he was just someone who was used his pace and didn't really um, have a good finish on him. How wrong I was. How wrong I was. And I'm so pleased that he's he's succeeding. Because when he was 14, 15, everyone was sort of talking about him, coming through the youth ranks, whether that was for RZ or the Netherlands. Um, and when he came to senior football, he just looked a little bit one-dimensional for me but I think that was purely because he was recovering from a really horrible long-term injury um, and had to try and get back the best parts of his game the all-round game that he has um, and I've just been so impressed with him he, I think that that goal he scored against um, Ekese Volvaik um, despite the fact that it was the league's lowest club when Svensson played a low ball in and he, he just switched um, from the right foot to left foot to put that into the bottom corner. I thought that was exceptional, just how quickly he could do that. But it's not as, as well as that, he's someone who links at the play. He's becoming a bit of a target man as well um, and, and really feeds into Idrissi on the left-hand side. And I think we're going to come into that left-hand side in just a, uh, just a moment um, for another Arzo player. But yeah, Boadu for me, exceptional. And I'm really, really interested to see what happens with him this summer whether he plays at the Euros, whether he makes a transfer, or whether he just stays at RZ um, and wants more and has a really good season with them, potentially in the Champions League. But it could also be, if RZ can keep this team together, pushing for a title, um, but more in earnest this time, uh, rather than this season where they're a bit more of a surprise package. So I'm just really intrigued to see what happens next with RZ and in particular, well, I do. He's been fantastic. I really loved watching him. Um, and you're right about the injury because he and Stengs have both had potentially career-ending injuries and they've both come back to play 
you know, incredible football. And we didn't see them together for such a long time. One, Stengs got injured and Bodu came in and then he got injured. It was some... It was so sad to see because they were both serious injuries that took them out for, you know, a year. So to see them both playing to the, at the top of their game and both getting Dutch call-ups and making debuts is exceptional in what has been an exceptional season for their team. And he's not the only player that I picked for my top three as well. Um, as we stick with RZ, Owen Vindal at left-back. How he can take over from Ovejan um, to become the regular left-back it was a surprise to me because I didn't think that that would be the case. I thought Oveyama would have to leave for that to happen. But no, Vindal has actually been an improvement in that position. Um, and he just links up really well with Idrissi on the left-hand side. They're really dangerous together. But also defensively, I don't think I've seen many weaknesses in his game yet. So another one as well, who we talked about the left-back position for the Netherlands. I think he's going to be the left-back in the national team in, in what, five years' time, say. Um... So I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking about RZ because I've also got a third player on the list. Another fullback, um, Serginio Dest, who I, I, I had to talk to Jonathan before the podcast, didn't I, Jonathan, about actually when did he first break into that team? And it was only this season. Um, the Super Cup was his first uh, breakthrough appearance for this Ajax side. And um, yeah, he feels like he's, he's, he's been out for like a couple of years. The way he's just fit in, he's not the perfect player yet, of course. Um, and it is a shame we didn't choose the Netherlands to, rep, you know, to be his national team he represents. Um, he's going to be playing for the USA, but he's a fullback who bombs on a lot. Um, very direct player, um, can score a goal as well, but also someone that does a lot of the dirty work in defence. And I think that right back is now going to be his position. It's good that he's flexible, but I think that he's not a winger. I do think he is a fullback. Um, similar to that really modern fullback that everyone just keeps talking about nowadays. Vindal and Dest are two very good examples of that yeah I'd agree with that um Masraoui was never really a fullback when he came through he played in midfield and he was only laterally put in at fullback and it's done a great job but he's been as you saw in you know the home and in Europe he was moved around he played in a more defensive midfield role when it when it required a bit of movement in there when there was uh, playing a team that was a little bit more mobile um so I think Dest is a more natural fullback um and it could be difficult now for Masraoui to to break to play on a regular basis you know Dest seems to have, have nailed that one down uh, Masraoui at the moment has had a couple of injuries in the early half of the season but is uh, now having to wait for his turn on the bench so yeah I think we'll see a lot more from from Dest in the second half of the season agreed um Jonathan thank you so much for joining me on this football Army podcast and again really hope to have you back in future thank you very much for having me cheers and thank you, listeners, for joining us on this podcast. There'll be another one soon, I'm sure. Plenty more to come on the Football Daily website. Always keep in touch there. There's a competition coming up soon um, if you are someone who lives in the UK or Ireland. Um, yeah, keep listening to Football Alanya, um and keep following the Eredivisie and the Dutch national team. Thanks for listening. See you soon. That is back up! That is back up! That is